Welcome to ISA's Arborviews podcast, a series bringing you conversations with researchers and tree care experts about current issues in arboriculture. I'm Bob Polumsky, your host on this episode of Arborviews. Richard Puyat received his PhD in ecology from Rutgers University in 1992 and a master's in forest soils and a bachelor's in forest biology at the College of Environmental Science and Forestry. He's a bioclimatologist for research and development at the Washington, D.C. headquarters of the U.S. Forest Service. And today we'll be talking about soil responses to land development. Hello, Richard, and thank you so much for joining us today on Arbor Views. My pleasure. Well, Richard, let's begin here. If you can, please expand on your research, uh, which involves the uh, impact of land development on soil properties. Yes, um, and a lot of people refer to that as urban soils in general. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm very interested in the human impact on on soils and, and, and how they have changed the properties of soils such that they impact... Um, ecosystem services that soils typically provide to, to civilization. And we've known for many centuries how important soils are for civilizations. Um, historically, um, it doesn't change when you build a city and, and live in that city. So we are, um, and I am a firm believer that if we manage soils ap- appropriately, we can receive the same services that you would in a non-urban situation. So I study uh, urban soils, and I have a a little bit of a broader perspective of urban soils than perhaps other folks. Um, Obviously, in a city center, you're going to have mostly disturbed soils, but as you move away from the city center to suburban and rural areas, you get a surprising amount of areas that aren't disturbed. Um, They're affected by humans, but not necessarily disturbed like we think of a fill soil or something like that. So my research interest is in looking at patterns of various soil properties that are important for horticulture, for um, forest ecologists, and so on and so forth to understand, um, and look for patterns, because the patterns that we have in urban landscapes uh, are very much different than the patterns that soil scientists are used to in uh, non-urban areas. And so a typical soil scientist in an agricultural rural perspective, they can map hundreds of acres of land in a day, but in an urban area, it's much more tricky. Um, There's um, more variation involved, um, and uh, it's much more heterogeneous. um, And, uh, but what we're finding, there are patterns. You know, a lot of people have said that, you know, it's impossible to do, but we're actually finding patterns. Well, I mean, that's that's a good point. I've got two thoughts in mind. First of all, I know we've got these soil science surveys, and it almost seems like you can't even refer to those in an urban environment, but you're saying that perhaps we can, that there actually, there are patterns to this this whole land development process that we, that you could actually uh, almost create perhaps a soil survey type of environment. Right. I want you to address that, but also we have to. I'd like you to go back and when you talk, when you spoke about these, uh, the ecosystem services. For a lot of people, the soil is this black box where we don't really see what's going on down below. So, if you could also elaborate on that as well, what are these services that are so essential to us? Right. So, uh, people talk about green infrastructure in cities, and that's the use of vegetation to provide various services. Well, I I like to think of soils as the brown infrastructure of cities, and soils provide many services. Um, The more obvious ones would be as a a medium for plant growth, and that's the one that we're mostly familiar with, but soils are very important for a hydrologic cycle. So we know there's lots of runoff in urban landscapes, and if we can get more water into the soil, um, like it happens in a forested situation, 
um, it would be uh, much better. Um, soils also store nutrients. They store carbon um, and they store nitrogen. Um, in particular, nitrogen, um, if it's uh, let loose from the soil, which happens in agricultural systems because of the disturbances that occur because of plowing, um, it becomes a pollutant. And um, we all heard about the uh, Gulf of Mexico, um, the uh, anoxic zone in the Gulf of Mexico, Chesapeake Bay. Well, that's, uh, much of that is from nitrogen coming from uh, terrestrial areas. And so uh, urban areas um, uh, play a key role in that. And if we can get more nitrogen to stay in the soil, for example, that would be a service. Um, soils also provide a service for engineers. We build buildings and roads on them. And, uh, and in fact, that's uh, uh, a very important component of, of a siting a facility. And there's a whole uh, field of soil mechanics that engineers have to, to study that. Soils also accumulate heavy metals, uh, for example, um, and keep them out of the surface waters. Um, so there's, there's lots of, I can even come up with some more. Um, well, and I can, I can extend now how, uh, as, as people, we have such a tremendous impact on these soils, which I'm so happy you're able to explain how important soils are from uh, the building standpoint as well as from a horticultural or arboricultural standpoint. Can you t- go uh, into a little bit of detail as to what kind of human activities impact uh, these soil properties? What are we doing that, that negatively impacts soils? That's a good question. Um, well, uh, if, if you can imagine um, when the early European settlers first came here uh, to North America, the Native Americans, while they were managing the landscape, they weren't um, doing it in a way that was having a huge impact on soils, obviously. And in fact, the settlers that first came here thought it was a pristine forest. And we're, fi- we're learning now that that's not the case. The Native Americans were managing the forest. But as soon as we began cutting trees down and creating agricultural systems, we started to impact soils. And as we built our settlements, uh, we had even greater impact on soils. And so that initial development has huge impacts. You disturb soils um, and you essentially destroy structure. And structure is the, um, if anybody's picked up a clump of soil and they, when they try to break it apart, they see the little clumps. That's what we uh, soil scientists, scientists call structure. And it's probably the most important aspect of a fertile soil is good structure. Um, and uh, that's the first thing that's destroyed with a physical disturbance. Um, the other way we do it, though, which is quite interesting, is we manage soils in urban areas. So we all have, you know, people have had their own house and they have a lawn. We're managing that soil by adding nutrients and water. Um, we manage golf courses. We uh, so on and so forth. There's lots of management going on in the landscape. So that has a huge impact on soils. And one that everybody kind of overlooks is that we change the environment. So as we urbanize areas, the environment changes. And so I like to tell my students that global environmental change has already occurred in our cities. Um, There's the urban heat island effect. um, There's ozone concentrations. There's um, other kinds of pollutants. Uh, All this is having an impact on soils. So those are the three general areas and they all have a different spatial representation on the landscape. And so being able to overlap those and being able to find these other patterns, along with the native soils that were here, they, they're still vestiges of those characteristics are still there. It's, it's a daunting task, but we're slowly getting there. Well, can you tell us now, I mean, we've done a pretty good job of 
damaging these soils. Uh, is there anything we can do to protect them uh, during the course of land development? As the economy is getting better, obviously we see more construction, also renovations going on. What can we do now to protect our soils? Right, that's a good question. Um, avoidance of disturbance is probably the biggest thing we can do. So now, unfortunately, with modern development techniques, especially in Maryland, um, where I come from, um, they when they bring in development in, they totally change the landscape to add sur- to to deal with surface runoff requirements for detention ponds and things like that, and so they end up disturbing the entire site. Um, there's an unintended consequence of that, of course, that you're disturbing the whole site. Um, in the old days, if you look at old developments, they would just pluck a house. Um, it was like con- I call it contour planting. You know, they put the houses along the contour instead of destroying the whole uh, landscape. So we need to avoid disturbance. Um, and some of the other things we can do uh, would be, um, like I, I worked in Central Park for many years, is rest soils. Don't allow people on the site for periods of time the soil can recover and then you can let people back on. Isn't that an agri- agricultural technique? Let yes. life fallow. Exactly. Oh my Exactly. So Central Park, we actually did that. Keeping people off of areas that are wet. Soils are much more um, uh, compactable when they're wet. So things like that you can do. Obviously you can amend soils and that's what a lot of research now is, is, is taking place to amend soils with various organic materials. Um, and uh, so that, yeah, that's pretty much it. it well, well, Richard, now tell me, uh, I mean, th- this is great information that you're sharing with, with our listeners who uh, are arborists. And now I think basically you're just dropping the gauntlet by saying now it's, the, it's up to the arborist to work with the developer to manage the soil. So what kind of tools does, a ar- does an arborist have available to him or her to be able to work with developers to overcome some of these challenges? Well, the drainage issue is, is a big one because um, all municipalities are very interested in, in stormwater runoff. And so the practice has been detention basins, you know, large facilities for a whole subdivision. Um, now there's a lot of folks that are pushing in low-impact development, and that's the way I think it should go. And that, w- and that way you can direct water into rain gardens and things like that. And so... Um, uh, so we can actually engineer situations so that we can maximize the function of the landscape. Mm-hmm. Well, Richard, uh, we just barely covered the surface of this topic, and I know uh, with our Arborview listeners, they'd like to learn more about this. Well, can you give us some some resources that they could go right. to? Right. Well, certainly the Natural Resource Conservation Service website, they have uh, uh, information on urban soils. I work with the Baltimore Ecosystem Study. It's a long-term ecological research site, one of two situated in an urban area. Um, so look for Baltimore Ecosystem Study. Google, do a Google search. You'll find um, the soil program on there. Um, there's also a LTER site in Phoenix called the Central Arizona Phoenix Project, CAP. And I would also search for that. There's international... Um, uh, group and you know it's an acronym and I don't remember the the actual uh, all the letters but it's SUITMA S U I T M A um, that's a bunch of urban uh, international group of urban soil scientists that get together every two years and there's good useful information there as well. Outstanding, Richard. I just want to thank you so much for joining me on Arborview today. You've been listening to Dr. Richard Poyat, bioclimatologist for research and development at the Washington, D.C. headquarters of the U.S. Forest Service. Thank you.